From New York City, the world famous Comedy Cellar presents Live from America Podcast. With Noam Dorman and Hatem Gabber. Live from America Podcast. Where the top experts in the world and the best comics in the nation get together weekly to discuss today's issues as they cover news, culture, politics, comedy, and more with an equal part of knowledge and comedy. And now, here are your hosts, Hatem Gabber and Noam Gorman. Hello, welcome to Live from America podcast. Uh, this is Hatem alongside me, best friend, Noam Dorman, owner of the legendary comedy seller coming back from Mexico. Hello, hello, hello. And from Vegas, originally from New York, Harrison Greenbaum, very <laughs> funny comedian. Hello, sir. Hello, everybody. How you doing? We I'm good, you. I'm good. All right, and our guest of honor, Julia. Ta-da! Uh, Julia is the outspoken champion of women's rights and issues and nationally recognized political consultant. Like you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go Just ahead. like me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but she co-founded one of uh, the best nonprofit organizations. Wait until we talk about it. Lift Our Voices. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization co-founded by uh, Gretchen Carlson and Julie after their claims of uh, sexual harassment mm-hmm. and re- retaliation uh, against Fox News. And they do a lot of great work, which we're going to discuss. Julie, great to have you. Thanks for having me. I have a question. Why in the world would anybody ever leave New York City to move to Vegas? <laughs> That's a good wanna, I just want to set that as a, as, a, as a first question before we get to the actual stuff. About <laughs> I was kidnapped. <laughs> Money. Uh, that, that, that can only be, the, that really is the only excuse I could think of. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a uh, very good comedian and he got a very, very amazing show in uh, in Vegas. Good, good contract. Right? Didn't you hear Joe Rogan? Jews are into money. That's why. <laughs> well, I'm a Jew. I'm a Jew, and you still wouldn't get me to Vegas. Which, which leads me to my next question: Is why in the world would you be involved in a nonprofit? <laughs> 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 because I decided to um, impoverish myself and, and live a life of poverty and penury to try to make the world just, better. Destroying everybody. Bare walls. Yeah, oh, you yeah. see the bare walls. I came in afford. You know, there used to be artwork there, but they took it all away once I started doing nonprofit work. Throwing <laughs> everybody off the trail of Harrison. She goes into the next room. It's a big, lavish mansion. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's all just a green screen that she pulls down. She pulls it up. It's all co- coated in gold. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Trump Tower. I've got the cold plated toilet. The whole thing. <laughs> but Harrison actually have one of the best shows in, in Vegas. Um, oh, thank you. On. Yeah, uh, Julie, it was supposed to be a one-day uh, fill-in uh, at a Cirque du Soleil show. It was the first time the Cirque ever had a stand-up comedian. Uh, and then they decided to keep me for uh, for a while. So I ended up moving. I basically had four days to decide and, and move to Las Vegas to be uh, to star in a Cirque du, Cirque du Soleil show. That's amazing. Where is it? Where is the Cirque du Soleil show? Which hotel? At New York, New York. So I moved from New York, New York oh, so to like work home. at the New York, New York in a New York-themed show. So I'm living in a simulation. <laughs> I was about to say, just like home, the roller coaster going through the Statue of Liberty. The screams, though. I think that's what makes it feel more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. When Hatam goes to Vegas, he stays at the Luxor. So, <laughs> I, Let's enjoy <laughs> that, that pyramid, by the way. Very authentic. Also built by Jews. I, I think the New York, New York and, and the Egyptian <laughs> casino are, are better than the, the, uh, the original. So go ahead. Go ahead. No, let's get, let's get to something original. real. Come on. Move. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Oh, no, but because your jo- joke bombed, now you want to move on now. <laughs> maybe, maybe. 
Julie, it's great to have you. So, you you know, I've been looking at a lot of your work. Uh, You know, I'm very happy that uh, we finally get to have you. Uh, So let's start from, you know, when you decided that you're going to um, uh, co-found Lift Our Voices. Like, so you were coming out of like a big, like, you know, uh, media circus and all that. And, you know, so what what made you decide that you want to go that way? And if you can tell us a little bit about it as well. Sure. Well, I can't tell you much about what happened. No, I know because of that. We have a non-disclosure agreement. India, which we're going to discuss later, not yours, but in general. Um, So, uh, but yeah, I think part of it was that, you know, when I filed my lawsuit against Fox and then ultimately settled it um, and my co-founder, my fellow former Fox News colleague, Gretchen Carlson, filed her lawsuit, which is really explosive. I don't know if you guys remember this, but it was- She started the Me Too thing. I don't know if she started it. Um, A woman named Sharonda Burke started it, but she certainly amplified it, right? Because it was such a high profile case and against such a profile, high profile guy, Roger Ailes. Um, You know, what we found out was that we were just hearing from like countless, mainly women, but some guys too, about similar situations and that they couldn't tell anybody about it. They really were calling us like some of them anonymously, some of them saying I'm, I'm violating agreements that I'm really worried are going to come back and bankrupt me um, by telling you my story. But we have to tell somebody because we're just dying. Our careers have been destroyed. We can't tell anybody why we can't talk about it to anybody. When we're applying for new jobs and people ask us why we left our previous jobs, we can't tell them because we have these silencing mechanisms. Um, and we just decided, you know, enough is enough. Nobody's really focusing on this, but you're really driving out, you know, it's not just women, it's people of color, it's members of the LGBTQ community. It's basically everybody who's kind of disenfranchised in life and, and is preyed upon at work more often than others. Um, you know, a lot of these people can't talk about what happened to them. And we said, this is crazy. Like we're, we're truly bankrupting America by driving really talented people out of their jobs and out of the, their careers by doing this. So we looked around and we said, what the hell? Nobody's really focused on this. Um, and uh, I felt like, as I said, taking a vow of poverty uh, for a couple of years and, and said, I'm going to put everything else I'm doing on hold to try to to try to get some of these laws passed and, and some of these issues more at the forefront of, of people talking about it. What laws? What laws? So there are two laws that we were able to uh, pass, which is pretty amazing. If you guys have been paying attention to what's going on in Washington, nothing gets done down there but we actually were somehow able to get this done. Um, We got two laws, one that bans something called forced arbitration for uh, sexual harassment assault, and one that bans pre-dispute NDAs for sexual harassment assault. So if you had to sign an NDA on the first day of work and you were harassed or assaulted, um, you can get out of it now, which which is halfway to what we wanted to do on that particular issue. But we want to expand these out not just for women, we want to expand these out to people of color and people who've been discriminated against based on age and gender and, you know, you name it, anything bad that's happened to them, they should be able to talk about it. So but what's, the, what's the first law? The first law was a, was the forced arbitration law. What, the forced arbitration? Yeah. So do you know what forced arbitration is? I'll yeah. But yeah, so, really- so, you, so you're not allowed So now you, you no more forced arbitration as a term of employment? for sexual harassment assault actually if you can explain it as well for yeah yeah yeah. so forced arbitration effectively means like typically if somebody rapes you or um, harasses you you should be able to go to court and sue them right but companies i think by 2024 something like 82 percent of all american workers whether they know it or not have these clauses in their contracts that say that instead of suing an open court you've got to go to something called arbitration which is kind of a secret chamber Everything's kind of settled privately. Nobody knows about it. And what happens is if nobody knows about it, 
the person that did this to you typically gets to keep their job because nobody knows that they're a bad guy mm. um, and you can't sue. You can't do anything in arbitration. You know, only 2% of all cases that do go to, can go to arbitration, do go to arbitration because only two and a half percent of those result in any kind of financial compensation for the survivor. So if you've got a forced arbitration clause in your contract and something bad happens to you, you're pretty screwed. I mean, it really is just an awful quirk of the American justice system. And it's just in the United States, by the way, other countries don't do this, which tells you something. Um, and as a result of all of that, we try to pass this law and we did that the president signed into law last March or coming up in a year this week, actually, which says that if you've been harassed or assaulted, you no longer have to go to arbitration. You can sue and talk about it in open court, which is huge because it really brings sunlight into a really bad situation and makes sure that people who do this kind of stuff are held accountable publicly. It makes companies not necessarily come up with excuses to keep them because people now know that this is something bad. So it's uh, it's good. It's good for transparency. It's great for survivors of sexual misconduct, but we've got a lot more to do to make sure this applies to people of color and, and you know everybody else. So there's two NDAs, one you sign when you start your job, right? And one at the end, like say, if you settle something, right? There's like a hundred different ways that people yeah. can make you NDA. One's on the first day of work, which is like buried somewhere deep in your contract. Yeah. And think about it. Like you get a new job, you negotiate a salary, you negotiate benefits, and then you see this clause, you're not going to raise your hand and say, hey, by the way, in the event that something bad happens to me, I want to talk about it. So <laughs> people just accept it, Right. Um, another is sometimes you have to sign these in order to get a raise, uh, in order to get a promotion, in order to get a severance package, in order to get a letter of recommendation if you're switching jobs. Uh, and then sometimes you sue and you get them as a result of settlement. So the ones that we signed, the law that passed basically says no more NDAs until you bring legal action. And then unfortunately, we couldn't get the whole pie. We got mainly what we wanted. But if you today, um, in America want to sue, then the NDA can still apply. Oh, interesting. I feel like a loser. I never had to sign an NDA. I gotta tell you, these sound a lot like reality show TV competition contracts that they make comedians sign for like America's Got Talent and Last Comic, all those kind of shows. They, um, they, there's a lot, they're very long and they're like, we own your firstborn. If you come up with an idea when you're 70, it retroactively is ours. Yeah. Like it's all sorts of crazy stuff. And you know what? They couch it as like, well, this is just proprietary information. So this is just like, you know, trade secrets. And our whole thing is, yeah, if you know the secret formula of Coca-Cola, of course, you shouldn't be able to tell anybody that formula. But yeah. if Coca-Cola harasses you or discriminates against you, then you should be able to talk about it. And people think when they sign these contracts, you're absolutely right. They're like 100 pages long sometimes. People think it's about proprietary information, but it's not. It's about really awful stuff that happens to you that then you can't talk about. And it really matters because think about it. If you're one person and you're coming up against a massive company or a really rich guy who's your boss or anything else, you're not going to talk about it because you're afraid of being sued. I mean, I, I had calls. We, we get calls from women all the time. I, you know, there were, there were two women who called me who both worked for a really prominent, very powerful billionaire who runs a very big company, um, which will remain nameless because they asked me to have it remain nameless, didn't, didn't know each other. One lived out in California, one lived in um, New Jersey. Both of them got fired, one because she had complained that she was sexually assaulted, one who complained because she had breast cancer and they fired her. Oh, They both have NDAs 
and they can't tell anybody about what happened to them. And they're like sitting there with these horrible stories that are just eating away at them all the time. Psychologically, it's awful. Like these NDAs are so awful. You can't tell your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your priest or your rabbi or, you know, your therapist, anybody about what happened to you. So you're sitting with this massive thing that happened to you that you can't discuss with anybody. And think about psychologically what that does to you. I mean, it's pretty awful. What if you slipped? What happened? You still got uh, reliable to can, get sued? Yeah, they can sue. They can sue. See, I have a solution for everything that comes smart. Uh, you can You can pretend that you're doing a surgery and take amnesia and just say everything. And you're not responsible because you are in the medical attention. All right. So I don't want you to ever tell anybody that because your bri- idea is so brilliant that I have to shut down my nonprofit and my life. <laughs> my life but j- it, just it, to be it, clear, with it, my, are you yeah. against NDAs as part of the settlement for one of these claims? Yeah, I'm against NDAs for everything other than real trade secrets. Because here's the problem with settlement NDAs. Basically, if you sue, they say to you, here's a million dollars, hypothetically, if you sign an NDA. And here's one dollar if you don't. So, of course, you're going to take the money, right? And your lawyer is going to urge you to take the money because they get a large chunk of whatever you make and you still can't talk about it. And that's how you protect predators. Some States, like I'll tell you, give you an example, New Jersey, New York, sorry, not New York, New Jersey, California, Washington state got rid of NDAs for all toxic workplace issues. It has not affected settlements at all. Companies still settle because they still don't want to go to court. They still don't want this aired in a court of law. And people, most people don't want to talk about what happened to them. It's not like people want to hold a press conference saying this awful thing happened to me. They just want to be able to talk about it to their friends and to their colleagues and to, you know, their loved ones and to their priest or whoever mm-hmm. they want to talk to about it. But some of these NDAs are so onerous. I mean, hypo- I can't talk about my Fox NDA, but hypothetically, I can't talk to anybody about what happened to me. Yeah. Nobody. Hmm. You know, I have to think about that. I I, I certainly understand it. Um, but there's a um, kind of a supposition here that. And, and, and let's let's zoom out from, you know, accusations of rape and, and, and that kind of emotional thing. But there's a supposition here that um, that claims against employers are generally uh, on the up and up and um, they're not. not I'm, 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 I'm going to segregate something as as uh, horrible as an accusation of a sexual assault, because that's probably more reliable, probably more reliable than other types of cases but um i mean i could tell you <clears throat> at risk of death uh for perjury of a number of just the most ridiculous cases brought against employers i know of one where you know if the employer hadn't had a hidden um tape recorder he could have been ruined yeah where where the 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 woman was just completely making it up and and admitted it on tape so you know, but I—I I mean, I haven't processed. I haven't done the math on, you know, as you but say, whether, whether the whether the NDA matters or not. I just want to introduce to the conversation that, um, you know, if you talk about something with already glossing over the one of the key issues, then you're liable to run into unintended consequences. But listen, it happens. It happens very rarely. I could tell you, somebody who came forward, it's really not fun. Like it's really not fun. So most people who come up with these things don't do this for reasons of like, 
I want to ruin somebody. They do it because they're desperate. And most people try to settle these things quietly, right? Most people don't want, think about what this does to your career. First of all, being a whistleblower is not great for career advancement to begin with. So if you come forward and you do this huge public thing where you accuse somebody, especially if there's somebody prominent or powerful of something bad, like I got to be honest with you, chances are um, it's not it's not a great career move for you either. So if you're doing it, it's because you're pretty desperate and you want help and you've been begging for help behind the scenes and, and you're just not getting it. And that means something. I mean, so if you think about when people come forward um, with these kinds of allegations, they don't come forward to try to destroy somebody for the sake. I mean, listen, does it happen? I'm sure it does. But are you going to, are a few bad apples going to poison it for everybody else who really- It's not a, it's not a few, I, listen, I'm, I'm not even sure. You know, like I said, I haven't, I haven't thought it through. This, what we're discussing here may not even affect that right. whole thing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, li- I'm not just, this is not just words. I'm really not for it against it. I, I really want to think it through. I just wanted to I- I- introduce- that um that you, you know let me let me let me explain i'm sure you know this julie but just so everyone knows so quite often employers have employee uh employment practices uh insurance whatever it is i feel yep. what it's called workers um, so like if uh, my manager um harasses uh, somebody it doesn't have to be sexual and in, in some way and and i get sued now the terms of my insurance are that I have to allow the insurance company to settle. So I have no choice, even if I don't want to, even, even if I, even if it's a total lie and I want to, and I want to take it to court, I can't take it to court unless I'm, unless I'm ready to not be insured. And what happens is on top of that, there's a deductible. Let's say the deductible is a hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So at that point, what happens is the insurance company will then settle for hundred thousand dollars. Right. <laughs> this is this is this is what happens. And the insurance company settles for hundred thousand dollars because it comes out of the insured's pocket. They don't care whether it's true or not, and the insured who wants to fight it can't take the chance because you just never know. So, and plaintiffs' attorneys know this like the backs of their hands. And it spawns bad faith, horrible lawsuits by the thousands, where the plaintiff's attorney. Well, I'm just that's just, just I'm just explaining this. It, it well, it has to do with NDA to the extent that, on top of for the settlement for these cases, it's typical then to at least get an NDA. Now you probably can't do that, at least in, in many circumstances. So I'm not again. I'm not saying. On the other hand, maybe, you know, would the employer settle on less likely without the NDA? I really don't know. Maybe in some cases. I'm just, I'm just well, trying to. Yeah, I, I have some stats on that. I, I, I know what you're saying. I, I don't, wait, let me just finish. I, I'm just trying to explain that there's tremendous incentives in big dollars for attorneys. You know, we can all agree on the integrity of attorneys, right? For attorneys to ambulance chase, as it were to find uh, and encourage plaintiffs to go after uh, uh um, businesses, especially high profile businesses, because the settlement is assured. It is assured. Like there's no way the employer will not settle. So if you believe in incentives and financial incentives, just what I'm explaining to you ought to allow you to understand 
why this, this, this system would be more corrupt than it would otherwise be if it was just the regular ratio of honest to dishonest people. There's gold in them, Thar Hills. And that's, again, whether or not that's really uh, 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 implicated in this law that was passed by the NDA, honestly, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And so First of all, this law doesn't affect settlement NDA, so I just want to make that clear. But But there is four years of data coming out of New Jersey, which has had a law that's about to be four years old. Go ahead. And it has, not, it has not affected the amount of settlement or the ability to settle at all. That's one point. But has it affected the number of lawsuits? It has not affected the number of lawsuits. It has not affected anything. Nope, we lost her. Um, mm-hmm. oh, you, you froze for a second. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it has not affected the number of lawsuits um, well, at all. Well, so, that's good, good empirical yeah. data. And then that's empirical data. The second thing, or the third thing I want to say is, you know, if I want to sue you, I can put stuff in my complaint that's any, you know, I, I could ruin you just by virtue of putting the stuff in my complaint if I really wanted to, right? You don't even need an NDA if I could do that in open court. Like I file a complaint, I can put whatever I want in that complaint, assuming it's true, assuming it's factual. I mean, I, I do that under penalty of perjury, but yeah. it's yeah. true, I could do it. Yeah. So, you know, an NDA is not going to keep me quiet if I actually file a lawsuit, Um from from doing this what an nda does do is prevent me from talking about it short of filing a lawsuit once once i file the lawsuit i can talk about it in court i can talk about it in my complaint like you're you're under your scenario your reputation is already in the garbage by that point if that's what i want to do to you no or, no, no yeah but with, well you can fight it in court but the reality is that uh, you don't fight it you settle that's the point you settle and what you, fine, what you but, get but you is settle, NDA. You, settle, you settle after i already filed the complaint so you settle after i've already gone public and filed something in court it, it doesn't really yeah. go i mean technically i guess if somebody's looking for it it's it's technically public maybe i'm not even sure because you there's a lot of steps you can take just the lawyer you don't actually have to file the lawsuit but, you can just, your lawyer writes a letter and, and- You write a demand letter, right? So yeah, so you write a demand letter. But the point is, if I wanted to have this public, so this is different, right? If your, your point is, if I wanted to go around my NDA and I wanted to have this public, after I write a demand letter, I file a lawsuit. Yeah. And if I really wanted to expose you, I'd have my lawyer put it on their website and tip off a friendly reporter and say, hey, so-and-so, you might be interested in knowing is being accused of this and here it is and go to my website and, and read the lawsuit. So I, I say this to you because these NDAs are not going to prevent in a court of law from this stuff from coming forward. What they do do is prevent you from talking about it to anybody who's a friend or anybody else. Like the, the employer, the reputation, if I wanted to damage your reputation, the employer, that that's done through the courts. Um, but short of suing you, I can't talk to anybody about it. And psychologically, right. it's pretty. Yeah. It, the, if, are, there, are there one or two bad apples in every barrel? Of course, it's not one or two bad apples, and that's the same people. The same thing people say about the cops, and I think the bad the bad apple. Are you saying that women and people of color, like they don't ever get discriminated against? They don't ever get raped? They don't ever get assaulted? They don't ever get harassed? They don't ever get I mean, discriminated against? Of course they do. I really don't think you think I said that. No, I, did, but that's, I didn't say that. But but then why in the world would you not want them to be able to talk to anybody about it? I don't. I didn't. And I and I was very clear to say that I didn't say that. I'm just I, 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 I'm, I wanted to address a supposition here, which is that 
the idea that a lawsuit was brought means that somebody actually was um, uh, uh, was did something wrong. In the same sense that the idea that somebody tripped and fell is therefore and sued the the restaurant that ha, you know was therefore uh, the restaurant w- was negligent there. But as we all know, that's not the case. People get drunk. They're wearing high heels. There's a million reasons people trip and fall, and they see. And, and people are disgusting when it comes to money. And when they get advised that or they learn or they read about the idea that you can make a quick hit with money, then they do so. And, and I think I said very clearly that, I, that I, I imagine they do that less in these very emotional. Uh, I mean, nobody wants to. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong. This is just my feeling about it, that if somebody is raped. Uh, that's very personal. It's it's not the kind of thing they want to go public about. So there, there's a natural, re- like you don't mind going public about the fact that you tripped or broke your leg, but you're not likely, m- most people would not, would, would rather keep that private because it's private. And, and you know, just, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not no. saying anything. You're not going to catch me saying something retrograde. Uh, and unless just bringing all the different aspects of something to light is retrograde because I'm not trying to make a point. I'm just trying to tell from, from my own experience as an employer for 40 years that I that I know something about these. And I never, been, I'll tell you, I've never so do been we, for anything been. sexual or any kind of sexual harassment or anything like that ever in my life. And, and you know that's true because I had the nerve to um, take a stand, very public stand, when the whole Louis thing, Louis C.K. thing happened. Yeah. And you can be sure I would have never had the balls to go that public on that issue, if I had some skeleton in my closet where somebody was going to come forward and say, this cocksucker was, you know, was, was, uh, was, was, uh, whatever was involved in this or that or that. So I'm, my, my, I am clean. So what? I'm not, I'm not saying it out of any kind of bad personal experience with sexual harassment cases. Although I have seen people accuse people of sexual harassment and even rape and then recant. I've seen that. I have seen that. But um, on the other hand, I've known people, including people very, very close to me who've been sexually assaulted. It's not a matter to be taken lightly, and I don't take it lightly. These, these, so when, all, when, these when, things, all these things are true at once. I just wanted to make people understand how easy it is and how tempting it is to sue an employer for anything, for anything, and be assured, be assured of a significant check. That's all I'm trying to say. Go ahead. So let me just say this. Yeah. It's when you want to come forward about something like harassment or assault, it's not because you want to go public on the front page of the New York Times or the New York Post. For the most part, all you want to do is turn to the woman next to you and say, hey, has this ever happened to you? Because it happened to me. And or warn somebody else that, hey, maybe this guy who's asking you to go for drinks after work, maybe don't do it because he has a habit of harassing women who do, right? That's really, that's what it is. Mm. Yeah. And, and these NDAs prevent you from doing that because you cannot talk to anybody about what happened to you at work. Uh, wait, when did the NDA wait, 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 And I just add to what, what Julie's saying to, to that I think, you know, worth saying is that you might think, well, then you should take it to criminal court. 
But the fact is that it's it's way easier for someone telling the truth to lose in criminal court. They, people have a much better chance of winning a, the civil suit here than the criminal case here. It's and, very hard. It's very prosecutors. I, I forgot what the statistic is, but something like one or two percent of all of all sexual assault cases actually go to conviction because yeah. it's a he said. It's a classic he said she yeah, said. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what yeah. I'm saying. Most people don't want to go to court. Most people don't want to sue. All they want to do is be able to confide in somebody and say, "Is this happening to you?" Until, yeah. Yeah. So when, when did that NDA started? Like when when did this culture start? Was it always there? And like, what, what, no, like so, you know happened. when it started? It's actually I don't know. If there's any correlation, but it's it's very interesting. Um, remember Anita Hill back in 1992 mm -hmm. with the Clarence Thomas? No, um, so Justice Thomas, Clarence Thomas is a Supreme Court justice. Ah. His his um, he was accused by somebody who worked with him, a woman named Anita Hill, who's now a law professor, um, of sexual harassment. And what ended up happening is that she, um, it was a huge controversy back in the 90s. There was a huge, early 90s, there, there was um, hearings that Joe Biden actually chaired. Anyway, he ultimately got confirmed. He became a Supreme Court justice. But it was the first time, really, that you had this kind of high profile allegation against somebody who's about to be in the Supreme Court of sexual harassment. Um, once that happened, two things happened. One is a lot of women got really pissed off and, and ran for office and, and won. Um, in the following year, a lot more women came to Congress. Um, but the bigger problem for companies is that they looked around and said, holy shit, we cannot have women coming forward about us the same way that Anita Hill just eviscerated Clarence Thomas's reputation. And suddenly you had this uptick in NDAs that used to exist purely for trade secrets, which they should exist for, of course, um, that now started to exist for things like harassment and racial discrimination and really human rights violations. And that's that's problematic. Julie, can I ask a question? Yes. Uh, it just occurred to me. You believe Tara Reid? Do I believe Tara Reid? You know what? I actually have spoken to Tara Reid um, online. Do I believe her? First of all, I'm not one of those people that says believe all women like because they, they say something. I just want to hear them out. Right? Well, she, she gave a pretty compelling case. She had told a few people uh, years ago, her mother seemed to be talking about Lara King. She was in her. It was it was mentioned yeah, in yeah. divorce so, papers. Biden uh, has records uh, at the University of Delaware that he won't share. I mean, this is this is a strong enough case, strong as any case I've heard. To well, first of all, if Biden has records that he won't share, I think he should share them, right? Because I I want to see what what's in there, and then would have a fuller record. Again, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, woman came forward. You have to 100. I'm just asking if you believe her or not. I don't have enough information to believe her or not believe her. Legitimately, well, so, but but to say to, so that so that okay, but just by that answer, I, I respect her right to come forward. Right. So all I'm saying is that when you said a few bad apples, would you believe, like all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're in the case of 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 being very open to the idea that somebody's lying here, which is no different I, than I, I was. I, I, but listen, but it's I, not what she says. She's saying she needs to be okay. everybody have the right to need to be. Right. If she if she's I, open I, to the idea that Tari that it didn't Tari is not telling the truth, it means she's open to the idea that Tari is lying. Wait Just like I'm saying, but you should. We have to be open to the idea that people are lying, Listen, and she seemed to take. And you seem to things. hold on. And you seem to take umbrage with the fact that I just wanted to leave that open. And here's one case. I'm not taking umbrage at all. I said okay, there's well, apples you, everywhere. When you said like you do you think that women are lying, I'm like, whoa, I didn't say that. No, no, That's no. what you said to me, and I'm, I'm saying, well, okay. Well, what about Tara Reid? If, 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 if listen, what I'm saying listen. is so terrible, listen, Harrison, you follow here's me. What I, here's what uh, I'm. Well, I'm, I'm going to jump in because I, obviously I've been talking a lot on this podcast, and uh, <laughs> it's been a laugh a minute. And as the uh, <laughs> comedian, I'm glad I fulfilled my obligation. Um, it's also it's it is Julie. Usually, I'm in the position you are uh, with this stuff. Um, but um, when, when we're talking about the NDA stuff, 
OJ did that book, If I Did It, yeah, where he just hypothetically talked about the murder. I mean, if I had did done NDAs it, right? prevent hypothetical books? Uh, that's a Good great question. question, and I'm not a lawyer, so I don't have an answer to that. But I suspect if um, I'm trying to top my idea, Harrison. Yeah. Or what about like a fictional book about Shmuley Schmaginsky? <laughs> I could well. I, there have been there have been fictional quote unquote movies made about Shmuley Schmaginsky called Bombshell, um, which. Yeah. I can't tell you if the person who depicted me in that movie did an accurate job or not because I. But who depicted you? Um, a woman named Anna O'Reilly, who's a nice Irish girl from her, the side of her name, which of course comports really well with the nice Jewish girl who I am in real life. But, <laughs> well, that's um, like a thing, right? I feel like Jews don't get to play Jews. Like Ruth Bader Ginsburg was not even played by a yeah, Jew. Yeah, exactly. Why do the Irish guys give women get to play us, right? No, no, no. But, but to get back to the thing before about Tara Reid, here's what I'll say. This is all I'm fighting for, right? All I want is for Tara Reid to have the right to, to come forward and tell her story, right? I'm not I'm not here to adjudicate her story. And by the way, let me preface by saying I actually am a strong believer in innocent so proven guilty. So I'm not one of those people that says, oh my God, if you know, if you come forward automatically, you have to be believed. I just want you to be able to come forward. Yeah. But, but, okay. But just, just, just cause it's interesting about Tara Reid. Yeah. For, for, for um, Tara Reid to be making this up, it means she made it up. What is it, like 20 years ago before Biden was even vice president. It, it's so, I never understood. It's so weird the explanations for how it is that she was talking about this to her husband, to her mother, uh, to Alexander Colbert, apparently had wind of it in the, in the nation or wherever he was writing at the time. Um, it's such a compelling case for somebody who was telling the truth as compared to other cases we've seen. And it seems to be the one Achilles heel because Biden is a Democrat that people like Julie who are, you know, involved in partisan politics they just they they they're in a very difficult situation but my goodness if that was a trump case or any republican with that level of evidence and her mother on larry king talking about it 20 years ago people like of course it's true like Wait a it's second. not true people, people, like, people like julie were one of the first to say that andrew cuomo a democrat in new york state should resign right so people like julie are, don't care about partisan politics because people like julie know that nobody gives a you know what well, but Andrew Cuomo is going to be replaced by another. Oh, you can Democrat. say it. Andrew Cuomo is going to be replaced. If Andrew, if I, Andrew Cuomo, I, if Andrew Cuomo was going to be replaced by a Republican, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cast aspersions on you personally. But you can be quite sure we would not have seen exactly the same dynamic playing out among people. If if Al Franken was going to be replaced by a Republican senator, we would not have seen the Democratic Party calling for his resignation as we did. We can be, we can be straight up about that, right? Can I, can I tell you something about myself? So what really got me into this whole battle was actually not Fox News at all. It was actually a Democratic governor, the governor of New Jersey, a guy named Phil Murphy, who I elected and who made me sign a very stringent NDA in the first day of work. And I was the first person he hired and was incredibly instrumental in his election as governor. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of women came to me on that campaign and said, we are facing an incredibly toxic workplace environment. Yeah. And I went to him. And I said to him, this is awful. You got to get rid of some of these guys who are here. And he fired me within 48 hours. It's the only job I've ever been fired from. Um, and immediately his lawyer sent me letter after letter, threatening me, reminding me that I had an NDA, that I couldn't talk to anybody about it. 
about a year later, a young woman came to me and said that she had been raped <clears throat> on that campaign. He mm. had covered it up. Well, his, the people, she had gone to people in his inner circle. They did nothing to help her. Yeah. And when I tried to help her, I couldn't because his lawyers threatened me with violating my NDA if I were to help her. So yeah. the thing that actually got me into this whole thing is a fellow Democrat who behaved really abominably. And that man now is still the governor of New Jersey. He's actually the head of the Democratic Governors Association. And as a Democrat, I think it's a disgrace that the Democratic governors have him as their head. Well, so, I, yeah, so, so I just want to be clear that this has nothing to do with partisan politics for me. Yeah. If he got replaced well, by a Republican, I, I'd be thrilled if that Republican treated women better than Governor Murphy does. Yeah. That's why I, I, I tried to say. And, and look, can, can I be honest? Every time they people say Tara Reid, my first thought is the actress from uh, American <laughs> Pie. <laughs> Shot and I had to, it took a while for me to realize that there is a second Tara Reid who is not the, the blonde actress from American um, Pie. I, I think, in, in, you know, it, 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 it's, it, it goes down easy, the idea that women who've been through what you're describing shouldn't have to. I don't know if the phrase goes down easy is necessarily the best one to use considering the entire context. Fair, fair enough. It, it's, it's, easy, it's easy to accept that, that women have been <laughs> traumatized as you're describing. I shouldn't have to be held to anything they've signed to. But I, I, I get it. Tell you about what? it. I, I, I am always just and and the empirical data that you cite to the extent that it's reliable. We, you know, we, we live in an age where we've learned to question this stuff, but um, is comforting because there are always laws of of unintended consequences where can't think of anything on top of my head, but we've all heard of them where some some measure taken to address something only ended up exacerbating that very problem by creating some other dynamic which backfired, you know, and that's a, that's what I was trying to think of in real time with how this, the fact that you can't sign an NDA or an employer no longer has that benefit that he can get, how will that ripple through his decision making? And will that necessarily end up to the advantage of the, of the person who's been wronged? especially in a wrong night. And I, I don't know the answer to that. That's well, can I turn what, this around on you yeah. for a second? And, and sure. I'm, I'm thinking it's out of the best of intentions. But... I think, I, I don't think you turning turn it, turn me around is probably not the best phrase to use in this. All right, well. <laughs> oh no, I think I've, I think I've started something. I've turned us all down a very bad path. <laughs> let me roll over, going go down, ahead. This is all going downhill really fast. So, <laughs> let, let me try to change, let me persuade you of something. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, what if the roles were reversed, right? What if an employer were doing something really bad to the employee and the employee couldn't talk about it. And the employer fired that employee because she wouldn't acquiesce to his demands for doing something really bad. Yeah. And then he went around saying that he fired her because she was incompetent or she was bad at her job or she was, you know, not the real reason he fired her, but because he's basically trying to damage her reputation. And she can't respond because she's got the NDA. He's got the power to do whatever he wants because he can say whatever he wants because he's not a, he's not bad by this NDA. Yeah, yes, you're absolutely right. You're abs that's, this is well, an you're describing an outrageous the situation. The guy belongs in jail. Uh, uh, you're absolutely right. And there's no, uh, you know, you, 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 you refer to the he said, she said thing in the criminal court, but this he said, he said, she said problem is... Uh, behind every door in all these issues here. Obviously, uh, if, if these things were provable, everything would be easier, but they're not. And, and people, you know, and you're right, bosses are horrible. And, and, and by the way, it's, it's not the high profile bosses who are the most horrible. It's probably the, the diner yeah. owner on a road stop restaurant in Iowa 
who doesn't even fear about anything going public. Those are the guys who really are comedy seller. You, 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 know? you can't hurt them because nobody cares. Comedy Did you have a bad experience at a diner, Noam, in Iowa? <laughs> is this is this personally related? Maybe. <laughs> you just wanted I, some corn. So, 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 Julie, I want to, you know, the, the time where I've, I want to know, like, what, what's your, like, what women should do, uh, or, or men, or anybody in this situation? Because as of now, what I see is like, I see like, like online courses before you, before you do a job, you have to watch this, you know, this video, which is boring, you know, and all that. Like, they just want to cover. Oh, we did everything about sexual harassment education, but it's not really, you know what I'm saying? I mean, those, those, I hate to say this, but I mean, listen, I had to go through a sexual harassment training at Fox. So that tells you. Sometimes, sometimes hypothetically, they're not that effective. Um, I, well, I, 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 See, I, there we go. The hypothetical novel. I think we I, saw I, some of this. I, um, I, went, I, I took a sexual harassment course in the Middle East. Imagine that. There you, there you go. We're in the Middle East. Egypt? I'm, I'm, I was born in Kuwait, but I'm Egyptian, yeah. So I love That's you. why nobody laughed. They didn't understand that he's Egyptian. When I, I got it. it. I understood the Luxor thing. <laughs> I, I got it. I didn't think it was that funny. But have you been to Egypt? <laughs> um, Julie, you have to yeah. go to Egypt. It's beautiful. I don't know. Listen, I've been to Egypt. Egypt is awesome. My, um, I don't yeah. want to say my best friends are Egyptian, but my best friend really is Egyptian, so I spent a lot of time there. Um, but you know, uh, I had an Egypt phase when I was in like middle school. I was obsessed with Egyptology. I read all the books about Tutankhamun. I was like my that was like my thing for like a year. John, you can you edit this part out? Net? Thank you. I did. Oh yes. <laughs> with Harris. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where we met. <laughs> why, why why did you why did you think Andrew Cuomo should resign? Why did I think Andrew Cuomo should resign? Because the stuff that I, but I thought Andrew Cuomo was running a toxic office well before these women came forward. I just think he was abusive to his staff. I didn't. Think we have we had people on this podcast, Noam, that were complaining about him way before. And yeah, this is, I thought he, I, I listen because because when there's such a body of evidence of how he treats people, I didn't think that it wasn't even because he. But, you know what's I, interesting? We had somebody in the podcast. Julie's, Julie's three steps ahead of me, Hatem, and you don't even yeah, realize it. But that, go ahead. No, <laughs> you know what? You look like uh, Norm, you look like that reporter. You know what? They asked my question on TV, and like five seconds later, you're like, "Oh yeah," and the other is really like. <laughs> it's kind of like the jerk. It's kind of like a jerk store episode of Seinfeld, right? It's like. Talk, but you know what's interesting? We had one of the women that accused Andrew Cuomo. And in the podcast, Lindsay Boylan, Lindsay Boylan, Lindsay Boylan, Boylan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Way before she she uh, she said anything, but when I ask about working with, and she's like, the look in her face, or just like you show it all, you know, it's like, ugh. Um, anyway, so what yeah. wanted to do, or anybody like? Oh, anybody? so listen, I I hate to tell people they need to like go to law school for this kind of stuff because they kind of do. No, I went to law school. It's, but, it's a work great, every time. No. You yeah, should look work every time. I, I went to Harvard and now I'm in the circus. So I'm pretty sure they cancel each other out. <laughs> you should, you should, you should. Look I'm like, at Julie, you, yeah. you know, I'm sorry. Like, you know, there's the old Marx. Back to the jerk store part of this. Go ahead. The the uh, Groucho Marx old show. They had the secret word, and then the birdie would come down. Okay. <laughs> but when Harrison says he went to Harvard, we wait for it every episode. He's got to slip it in at least one episode. Go ahead, hey, hey, hey got to slip it in at least once in this kind of conversation. Is that the language you want to use? No, no, no. It's not. It's not just him. Because I got to be honest with you. I actually have this joke with people. If somebody went to Harvard, they will figure out a way to work that in to every conversation. You don't yeah. hear people going to Yale or Princeton. It's really just people who went to Harvard. Like, how's the weather? Well, the weather is great, but not as great as it was in Cambridge when I was up there. Uh, like, it's literally, <laughs> you guys have this complete weirdo fascination with working 
the fact that you went into Harvard until like, it doesn't matter what you're talking about, but that's, that's neither. You are totally right. Now quiet. Although I will say Pendulette's out here in Las Vegas and he has a great thing where anytime somebody says they went to Harvard, he just yells cock. So anytime he hears the word Harvard, he just yells cock. And it really reminds you how often it's being dropped. It's fantastic. All the time. It's like, it's like the defining, like really it's the defining thing that ever happens to you at 18, you went to Harvard and therefore for the rest of your life, that is the defining thing you have to talk about. Um, I went to, I went to the Harvard of Boston. I went to Boston university. So I feel like kind of. (laughs) BU is great by the sitco side. I, I went. I went to Saddam Hussein Community College. It was really. Good. Julie was in the middle of a point. Go ahead, Julie. My point is, you should really read. You should read your contract before you sign them. So, uh, so, what about what about regular people? Like, okay, so let's be honest. Somebody going to work, they need the job. We're not talking about like big time jobs. Like, obviously, you have a lawyer. You have you have yeah, enough yeah. education to know what to do. But what about the regular people? Like, the, you know, uh, the regular people should also read their contracts. But I understand you don't have much bargaining power. Uh, yeah, because, you know, it's you against the man. So that's why we're really trying to work with companies um, rather than with employees to have them take these clauses out. It really, it, it's, it's better for their bottom line um, because what they do is they effectively have incredibly, incredibly, and this is data that's, again, if you drive women and people of color out of your workplace, there's empirical data to back up the fact actually Harvard came up with this empirical data. So I'm going to work Harvard in myself. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, it's true because it came from Harvard uh, <laughs> that, that if you don't have a diverse workforce, you just do worse. Like you're, you just, you, your company just does not do as well. And this is what you're doing. You're driving people of color and women out of the workforce by forcing them to shut up about what happens to them. They can't change it because they can't talk about it. They ultimately leave and when they ultimately leave, you're really driving out. So what, what is what is your nonprofit exactly do? Like how, so how we can help people? So we do. Thank you. Well, who you. should reach out to you? you? You could give some money. Um, how do we help? We you could reach out to me um, anytime. Julie.Roginski, liftourvoices.org. But you could also um, go on our website, liftourvoices.org. There's a bunch of different resources for you if you're curious about this. Um, what we try to do is, is for kind of four pillars of what we do. First and foremost, we try to educate people about these issues as I'm trying to do apparently and unsuccessfully today. Um, we, are, <laughs> we are trying to um, we are trying to change laws, both at the state and federal level, um, which we've done somewhat successfully. This is huge. I don't know how you did it. but Yeah. Um, you know what? We had to really spend a lot of time on both sides of the aisle and, and, and get people on both sides of the aisle. To, listen, the people who sponsored our legislation were Kirsten Gillibrand from New York, who's a progressive Democrat, and Lindsey Graham. Like, what does that tell you? Like, they understand this is a problem. Um, Matt Gates supported us in arbitration, so go figure. Um, and we had Sh- Shannon Watts here before, and she was been. Try- I don't know if you know her. Of course, Shannon Watts is amazing, and she's yeah. been trying to like pass a lot of things. Everybody that I know that trying to pass, not, no, but you, the, you're the first one. That yeah, passed. yeah, yeah. Congratulations. I, it's it, thank you. <laughs> it's hard, um, but uh, so that's that. And then we also try to work with younger students, college and graduate students, to make them understand that when they go into the workforce, they should look out for the stuff. Um, we were doing a lot of research, some of the research that I said it today, um, to try to really back up a lot of what we suppose is true with, with empirical data. Um, so we're kind of all guns ablaze um, doing this on, on, on many different fronts to try to, to all, all we really want to do is just make sure that people can go to work and work and not put up with bullshit. 
and not put up with toxicity and not put up with people harassing them or discriminating against them. And of course, that it's human nature, it will happen, but it will happen a lot less if people who do it are not, are more worried about being called out than about being able to cover it up. What about educating the, because I feel like we're kind of like, um, you know, try to educate the people that are victims, which is great. But what about, what about the bosses? What about- Dude, No, no, we spent a lot of time. We spent a lot of time talking to corporations, a lot. Um, and the reason we do that is just to explain to them, look, this is not productive for your workforce. I mean, you're driving out, like Harvey Weinstein's a great example, right? Harvey Weinstein, every single one of those women was bound by an NDA. And every single one of those women, I had one of the one of his assistants from 25 years ago on my on my podcast, um, a woman named Zelda Perkins, uh, who was kind of the subject of the She Said movie, which I don't know if you guys saw, but she she had an NDA that she had to sign back in the 90s, and she couldn't talk to anybody about it. She couldn't explain why she left working for Harvey Weinstein. She couldn't get a job anywhere else because he basically blackballed her in Hollywood. She ended up moving to Argentina and like training horses for a really long time. I mean, you're, and she's incredibly talented. So you're driving people like that out of the movie industry. I mean, why? Like, what did she do other than say, hey, wait a second, I just don't want to walk in here and have you try to, you know, grab me every five minutes. Um, you, you said something that, that I didn't realize, but maybe, maybe actually it, you didn't mean it the, the way I took it. I, I thought that the reason this would be effective is that let's say the Harvey Weinstein case that the first person he harassed uh, would have gone public and then and that would have prevented him going forward because he would have been exposed. Um, but you said that essentially that you think that knowing this, that employers feel protected to do this stuff and that this is like a deterrent, like I better not do this because I well, can't because get an NDA. I, I'm I, wondering if they're that calculated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like think about it if you're if in this Harvey Weinstein case, right? Like, he has her signed to an NDA. She can never tell anybody about what happened. So that when he does it to the next person, the next person is also signed to an NDA. There's no, there's no fear of exposure for Harvey Weinstein. Think about when Harvey Weinstein, quote unquote, went down. I hate to use that expression, but think about when he had his big fall. It's when this all went public. And why did they sign the NDA at all? They signed it after the fact. Why didn't they just expose them? Some of them had them on the first day of work. She signed an NDA. She signed an NDA for all the right reasons. First of all, she was like 24 years old, so she didn't really understand what was happening. She signed an NDA because he promised as part of her settlement that he was going to go and get help. Like she actually wanted him to go to get psychiatric help. And in exchange for him getting psychiatric help, she promised not to expose him. So if he didn't get help, wasn't she released? Um, she. The answer is... Probably, but she was also 23 years old and didn't know yeah. any of this, right? I mean, most people aren't lawyers, right? Most people don't have the money to hire a lawyer. Most people just absolutely, absolutely. And she needed a couple, I think, you know, he gave her, I forgot what it was, some very nominal amount of money, which she needed because, and don't, like most people don't get a billion dollars when they settle these cases, right? But their careers are also, like you're getting money for having your career destroyed. Yeah. yeah, that's really what it is. With, yeah. the, with the Weinstein cases, they, they, he's powerful and they want to get hired in the future and they want him. Not yeah. To and the reality him. is like if all of them could talk to each other about it, maybe they could have all teamed up and, and done what they ultimately did, which is go to the New York Times and, and have the story exposed. But when you think you're the only one because you can't talk to anybody about it. And, and let's let's be honest, whatever the NDAs did or didn't do, this was an open secret. In Hollywood. It was a total, that's the part, you know, yeah. I'm so glad 
said that. I'm so glad you said that because there was this quote from Meryl Streep. So I used to live down in the village. I think we talked about this. And I used to hang out at um, Graydon Carter's restaurant down there. And Harvey Weinstein lived across the street and he was in there all the time, right? I'm not in the movie industry. I have nothing to do with the movie industry. I was working at Fox at the time, but that's not the same industry at all. And even I, who was five billion steps removed from this, knew about Harvey Weinstein. Everybody mm -hmm. knew about Harvey Weinstein. And then Did you guys hear the story about Tom Cruise, um, the actress that called Tom Cruise about Harvey Weinstein a long time ago, and he told her exactly what to do to avoid oh. anything? Yeah, it's actually a very interesting story. Um, you can't remember the details. Now. You're just teasing us right now. If you want to know the story, go to. Are you on an NDA with Tom Cruise? Tell us the goddamn story. Read Dianetics and find out. Yeah, I was about to say, do I have to ask Dina or are you going to tell us what the story is? If you want to know, kind of promote your website. I go to. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, I don't. I will Google the story. I will ask Tom Cruise. But but the point is, then you have stories like you have Meryl Streep coming forward, being like, "I was shocked, shocked to hear this." I'm thinking. How are you shocked? How is anybody shocked about Harvey Weinstein? Like everybody knows about Harvey Weinstein, but the fact is nobody could actually, everybody suspected, but nobody could actually say it out loud because the women who could were all bound by NDAs. Well, I I, I will say, but I, I do think it was an open secret with Harvey Weinstein because even what's his name, uh, the family guy. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking the creator, about. creator. He, he referred to it in an award yeah. show that this, it's a, but, um, when the Louis C.K. thing happened, there was the same kind of thing where everybody knew. And I thought, well, that's not true. Nobody knew. I mean, maybe some people knew, but I own the comedy seller. I'd never heard about it. I've the never Louis, heard about it a, a month before it happened. What's, what's interesting about Louis C.K., by the way, is like Louis C.K. took some time off and like it seems to me like he hasn't missed a step. Right. And the reality is a lot of these women who are harassed, like they're like, I'll, I'll give you an example with Fox. I'll use the Bill O'Reilly example because I, I can't talk about my own. But every single woman who Bill O'Reilly allegedly harassed, every single one who went to Fox to complain, who got a settlement and who ended up having to leave the network as a result of complaining and went through forced arbitration. And so therefore, nobody ever knew who they were. And I didn't know for a long time. One day, these women would just disappear and you'd say, what happened to so-and-so? And they're like, oh, the ratings weren't so good. So her contract didn't get renewed. And then you come to find out many years later. That's not true. They accused Bill O'Reilly of bad stuff and they were shunted out, but they couldn't talk about it because they had an NDA. None of those women is working. Not one is still working in television. Not one. Uh, I would uh, say two things. Um, one is that I didn't mean, God forbid, to compare Louis to Harvey Weinstein. Because yeah, yeah. I, that, that, I just meant the, 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 the it's very easy to say, well, everybody knew some rumor. Uh, is, the, the, the rumors are, are polar op not opposite but polar apart in terms of i think the seriousness of them but um i just want to say that i i didn't mean to conflate them in any way whatsoever but the 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 um i don't know you you are in new york uh uh julie yeah. because you know there's some stuff about the, the i'm trying to remember her name the woman who sued uh bill o'reilly the one that the the whole deposition and the the court papers were on uh smokinggun.com or something what was her name i can't remember which way um and there was some really interesting things in there, which um, bothered me. Uh, like uh, now, Bill O'Reilly has been accused by enough people, and is just—it's it's very easy to see that guy as being a creep. I mean, you, you, I, I met him one time, and I—I—I I, I got a bad vibe. So I'm not—I'm not trying to defend Bill O'Reilly. 
although I did like his show. But anyway, um, compared to what's on Fox now, I thought it was way, way better. But having said that, I like Colbert's version of it better. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Colbert was Colbert was great too. Um, but she, uh, the, the woman that uh, initially had accused O'Reilly of like talking dirty to her on the phone, whatever it is, you can look this up. She left Fox, and then she went to work for CNN. Then she met then she met Bill O'Reilly in a in a hotel room in a hotel restaurant and discussed wanting to come back to Fox. Oh, but, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, she was a producer. Yeah. And she wanted to come back for Fox um for more money. Or for no, first she they spoke and she wanted to come back for Fox for more money. So then this this is basically right. So then Bill O'Reilly met her in a hotel restaurant and he says, um, she wanted to come back. He says, Listen, I I, I asked, I can't get you more money, but I'll pay the difference out of my pocket personally. And she said, okay. And she agreed to come back to Fox under those terms. And then they went up to his room to watch, I believe it was election night, to watch the election returns. And then she went back to Fox to work for him, apparently getting money. Rather, and then she, uh, uh, he began to, he was emboldened to think that, that there was some relationship there. And he began to really harass her whatever he did i don't remember the details and then she sued him all, all of which is say is like when you those are some those are hell of a details like um she, i don't remember that story like that i will i will send it to you right now yeah. no, please do because I, I i is it from harvard and i and i don't remember the story like that i will say yeah. women that i'm thinking of she's never worked since yeah yeah, yeah. and and if it's the woman i'm thinking of she is highly traumatized and it's been 20 years so last question because because i know i have to go if somebody have so many ndas and like law settlement doesn't that should transfer to criminal now like it's a habit it's like like you see it's a pattern you know it's not like one not, or two where you have not to all this stuff is criminal like in my case with the governor of new jersey that i talked about like what he did wasn't criminal like he didn't, didn't do anything criminal to me he didn't even do anything criminal to the woman who called me telling me that she was sexually assaulted on this campaign. I just couldn't talk to her about it. Yeah. As like the senior woman on this campaign, I was reminded over and over again by his lawyers that I couldn't talk to anybody about what I witnessed. So when she called me to tell me this happened to her, I couldn't tell her, oh, I, I understand that it happened to you because I, I, I've had other women come to me telling me about this. I couldn't yeah. say any of that. So it's not, you know, and again, suing somebody requires having the money to hire a lawyer, going public with a lawsuit. It's a lot of work. Like I did it with Fox. Let me tell you something. It really sucks. Like it yeah. sucks. Oh, I'm sure. It yeah. sucks having that whole situation happen to you. And so you just, nobody wants to sue. I mean, really, I mean, I guess very rare cases, people might want to sue to get some money, but trust me with Fox News, I'll tell you right now, I tried every which way not to file that lawsuit. I just wanted the behavior to stop. And, yeah. and the problem is that, you know, that that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much what anybody wants, but you can't talk to anybody about it. If you're, if you're under an NDA, you can't, I couldn't, by the way, Gretchen Carlson, when she was there going through what she went through, she and I were there at the same time. She couldn't turn to me and say, Hey, this is happening to me. Is this happening to you? So that when she came forward and I was still at Fox, I had two thoughts. One was this poor woman's going to be destroyed. The other thought that I had was, oh my God, it's not just me. This is happening to mm. 
Yeah. But, but and what was it like being? Were you a, a were you a Dem then? Were you a Democrat working yeah, yeah, at Fox? Yeah. I've always been a Dem, so I was like the House Dem for a long time there when they, <laughs> <laughs> when they still had them back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Person. You are the one. I was the person Donald Trump will call and complain about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Um, it was great. I, no, listen. I, I loved. I loved my time there because I loved. I loved having these kinds of arguments with people. Um, all the time about politics. So I, I really enjoyed my time there until, you know, until I didn't. You will enjoy more time at the Olive Tree if you like arguments. <laughs> I will be talking about the Olive Tree and no, get, a be get a couple of drinks and start arguing with anybody who wants, but yeah. Yes, please. So, right. so, so just, I, I said, you the, I, I got some details wrong. I'm, I'm reading about now. No, no, not, but first of all, he, the stuff he said to him was just disgusting about vibrators or whatever, you know, piggish, but just this one little section, just cause it's interesting is after she'd left, on or about June 2004, um, uh, defendant Bill O'Reilly and plaintiff Andrea Macris, Andrea Macris discussed the possibility of her returning to Fox to work on the show. She stated she'd be willing to return to Fox if Fox matched her salary at CNN. So this is, she's already accused of sexual harassment. And now she's saying, I'll come back to Fox if you match the salary, not exceed it. Well, wait a second. Why is this woman supposed, think about it from her perspective, right? Maybe, perhaps, she wants to make money and not be harassed. Like, why should she? Why should she be precluded from working at Fox and making more money? No, it's the same money. It's a master salary. This or is master money. salary. Yeah. Maybe she must. Maybe she prefer. Listen, by the way, wait, wait. I, went, I, I was at CNBC and I went to Fox because I actually think Fox is, you know, at the time was good television. And maybe, maybe Fox was the place that she wanted to work for whatever reason. Maybe she didn't like her environment at CNN. Maybe there's a hundred different reasons why she wanted to go to Fox. She yeah. should be able to go to Fox and not be sexually. So wait, so, so on, then Bill O'Reilly confessed, and this is her lawyer's account, by the way. So this is like, this is the best spin on it, right? Defendant Bill O'Reilly confessed to plaintiff Roger, Andrew Mackers had Roger Ailes refused to match her salary at CNN and that defendants Fox would only pay her former salary of 73,000. However, defendant Bill O'Reilly assured plaintiff that he would also pay her to serve as a staff member of his radio show to okay. make up the difference. So now she's accepting a, a you know, an unconventional relationship coming out directly from him in order to just to match her CNN salary. She returned to her position and simultaneously commenced her staff. And then, and then, and then it got worse from there. And then, of course, you know, if he was a pig at that point, he was, you know, on the phone and telling her to, be, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say these things out loud. It's not really um, evidence well, I, I, that I, I, it I, didn't I, happen. I, but it is, not her. it is a what? weird, it is a weird, normally if my daughter were harassed and she got the hell out of there, harassed on the phone and says, you know, dad, the guy who harassed me is talking about matching the salary I have now at CNN. If I come back, I'd be like, well, are you crazy matching your salary? Not even paying you more. Oh, well, yeah, but dad, I like it. Okay. Well, actually, dad, he said he can't match the salary, but he'll pay the rest from his pocket. Uh, what do you think, dad? What do you think? Are you, of course you don't go back now. You have, you're getting the same money to go work for a guy who harassed you and he's going to be paying you directly out of his pocket. That's like, what are you, are you nuts? It's such a bad fact pattern. You can ask you a question. Do yeah. you um, hold women who go back to their husbands after their husbands beat them responsible, or do you hold the husbands responsible? No, uh, no I, I don't hold. Well, do I, that's it. I, I, I understand that there is a psychological dynamic there, which is real and is not 
it doesn't make sense to analyze it logically because this is emotional and that this is the way this is what humans do the fact that a the fact that a woman was beaten is not enough to make her stop caring about the man who beat her or not believe that he might not do it again or not love or want to be with her children there's any number of reasons a woman might want to do it or some sort of stockholm syndrome i i get all that and i and i i know something about that but this is I don't know if this is analogous. This is a professional job, CNN. Well, first of all, yeah. you know, I do know Andrea Macris. And so I, I, there's some stuff I can't discuss, but there's yeah. much more of the story than, than I think. All right. I'm just reading the court. But, paper. I, will also, but I will also say this. Yeah. I think we, hopefully we could all agree that rather than analyzing why Andrew Macris went back or, or didn't go back, we could just maybe all agree that maybe Bill O'Reilly should have just kept it in his pants. Absolutely. <laughs> like it's not. Well, he didn't. He. I don't think. I don't think she accused him of not keeping in his pants. Actually, did she? I think she accused him of, like saying disgusting things on the he phone. Did. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. She accused yeah. him of saying a lot but, of disgusting. Yeah, but the, but the other way, it's just like he's he's disgusting. Anyway, um, I was trying a new thing for this podcast, which was I was hoping that introducing a cute puppy would change the tone. It was not uh-huh. successful. By the way, I, I said I, I, I can get my cute puppy. I'm happy I, to. I saved you from a possible lawsuit, right then, Julie. You should thank me. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> How did you how did you do that? Because you accused Bill O'Reilly, he needed to keep it in his pants, and he didn't oh, do that. Well, you know what? I, I metaphorically, if, if, metaphorically, if, if Bill O'Reilly wanted to sue me, I, I would love to have those, that deposition. So bring it on, because absolutely, you know right. what? Because you know what? Maybe I wasn't talking about Andrew Mackers, but yeah, um, <laughs> you know what? But then you know, this is I I, I actually agree with you on most of this stuff, but uh, what, what's not actionable is all the people who are dying because of Tucker Carlson's ridiculous vaccine denial. Um, I, not just that. But that's the big one. That, yeah. that is a, and, and that, that he gets away with that is, is like Fox used to be, you know, conservative and a little outrageous, but it had Charles Krauthammer and Britt Hume and a lot of, you know, and Fred Barnes and more Kondracki. It was, it was, I enjoyed Fox very much at that time. Uh, despite the fact that people at then were saying Fox was at 11 as you know, like the, the uh, right. spinal tap thing, Fox is at 11 then, but Fox is on 20 now because, because the stuff on Fox now is not defensible. It's not related. Charles Krauthammer would, would uh, turn over in his grave. He would never work at the Fox. Would Roger Ailes, by the way. As with Roger Ailes. Yeah. Well, Roger Ailes, as far as I understood it, he actually got rid of Glenn Beck. Because yep. Glenn Beck was too ridiculous. And Glenn Beck was making a fortune for Fox News at the time. So I will say it might be a little incongruous for me to compliment Roger Ailes based on our history. But I will say this about him. He wasn't scared of his audience. And I think the yeah. leadership of Fox is just terrified of its audience. I will also say and ask you and request one thing. Never, ever, ever invoke Tucker Carlson and Nigel Tufnell in the same breath. So Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson and who? Nigel Tufnell of Spinal Tap. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yes, fair enough. I mean, my God, you don't ever. Battle's really, happen too sacred to ever, you know, it's, you just know. Yeah. Um, I, I, did an interview, I did an interview for a Tucker Carlson uh, documentary or, uh, you know, Fox Nation about comedy. I didn't really want to do it, but I did. But his producer was there and I just unloaded on a producer about just, and they kind of, she just hung her head down. Like, like just the stuff that he's saying with this kind of plausible deniability, it's, People do die from this stuff. Yeah, that was a good interview. Yeah, once do. I mean, I, I think what you see, I don't know if you guys have been following this Dominion lawsuit, but I think what's interesting about that lawsuit is something that I think anybody who knew Fox could have predicted was the case, but how terrified they are of their audience. And the audience has been so radicalized. It's like a loop, right? The audience is radicalized by Trump. 
then Fox has to reflect back what the audience wants to hear. And then it just keeps escalating, escalating, escalating. And there's no, there's no ceiling. Yeah. But that, that feels like the opposite of the news, doesn't it? <laughs> Not the news. There's no By the way, hot time. It would be great if you could find a good, uh, um, a libel defamation attorney, First Amendment attorney, uh, to discuss the Fox News thing because, as much as uh, it's clear the duplicity of these people has been exposed, I actually don't think that that they should lose this case, based on what I've heard. But obvious, but I have a minority opinion. I I don't think I don't I know we have to go. I don't think the fact that they thought that Sidney Powell was full of shit and discuss it with each other is reason for them to not have allowed her on TV to make her case or, I mean, you could, you could, here's an analogy. Like I work at MSNBC and I am sure that Rudy Giuliani and the rest of them are full of shit about this Hunter Biden laptop. I'm sure it's Russian disinformation. And uh, I'm, I'm tweeting it and I'm, I'm texting it to my friends. Does that mean I shouldn't have put Giuliani on the air to explain how he got the laptop and what he thinks of, of, of but I, isn't it. Isn't it more than just putting them on the air? Isn't it parroting his talking? Well, that's the interesting thing. Yeah. Now, maybe, but I haven't in, in those, I read the New York Times article, the Washington Post article. They did not quote any, any parroting coming out of the no, Fox they did. personalities' no, mouths. No, I, no, I, I mean, Janine Pirro did and Maria Bartiromo did. Um, and I didn't find that. Maybe Janine Pirro, and, and well, if she did, then she did. But there is a difference between, all I'm saying is there's a difference between believing someone's full of shit and knowing that someone is full of shit. So. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a lawyer, so I, I, yeah, I can't yeah. judge the merits of this. But you, hit, but you hit the nail on the head. What it exposes is how afraid they are of their audience even to push back as to indicate what they felt privately about this stuff. They were very deferential to it. Now that's not defamation, I don't think, to be deferential to something, but yeah, they, they were afraid to make it clear to the audience how much they didn't believe this. Yeah, what's fascinating to me, I left Fox about six months into Trump's term, but um, what's fascinating to me is some of my former colleagues who publicly and privately, but also publicly notably, trashed Trump before he became the nominee, how much they turned on a, I mean, a 180 degree pivot to praising him to the stars. I mean, Greg Gutfeld's a great example of that. Um, and what's fascinating to me is, I mean, they obviously know better. I mean, I know these people all privately, but they just, it was like job preservation, right? And it's yeah. such a cult that you have to keep the job. Nobody, I'm not sure if I were still at Fox, whether I would have still been able to stay at Fox because I don't think they even want to I hear think it. you should have, you know, because it's good. No, no, no but I don't think, let's assume, yeah, yeah, but thank you. But let's assume what happened to me had not happened and let's assume oh. Shepard Smith was not scared. Shepard Smith is no longer there. And by the way, and funny about Fulso and Roger Ailes and Shepard Smith were very close. Yes, they were. Yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, you know, Roger Ailes was not scared of the audience. Roger Ailes led the audience to where he wanted them to be. The audience did not lead Roger Ailes to where the audience wanted Roger Ailes to be. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, with the current leadership, they're just held hostage, I think, to the audience well, right now. I know we're off of that, and I, I, I know you probably want to go, but just it's interesting because I know you're interested. If you read Jim Cramer's Confessions of a Street Addict, mm -hmm. which, is his, which is a fantastic yep. book, by the way. It's nothing to do with uh, his financial advice, just his story. He's a really interesting dude. But he worked for Ailes for a while. Maybe it was at, did Ailes 
to have MSNBC yeah, for CNBC. him? No, Ailes was at CNBC. Yeah, CNBC. Anyway, and he said people don't, in the book, he said people don't understand Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes loves a good debate. That's what he said about Roger. He really respected Roger Ailes because he liked to have a good debate where both sides were well-armed. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid that it would come out the wrong way. So I just I thought that was an interesting take. And, and Fox News under Roger Ailes, I think, did, re, did quite reflect that Bill O'Reilly's show was completely different than Tucker Carlson's show because Bill O'Reilly would bring on a powerhouse that disagreed with him and they'd have it out. And Bill O'Reilly was a blowhard, whatever it is, but you heard a real debate. You don't ever hear a real debate on the Tucker Carlson show. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I haven't, I'll be honest with you, I haven't really watched since I left, but, um, but the Tucker who I knew and the Tucker I read about today are just not the same person. And I think, and I think he knows better. And I think this is just all about, look, Tucker yeah. got bounced from, Tucker got bounced from CNN. He got bounced from MSNBC. This is Tucker's like vindication. Tucker cannot afford to lose Fox News for, yeah. for reasons of pride and whatever else. And I think he'll do whatever it takes. To stay well, there. He's a juggernaut. Or the community center, because he looks like every 80s villain that wears the sweater <laughs> and his dad owns the is trying to knock down the community center the and there's laugh. like a ski competition or whatever the hell. You know what? He is kind of the James Spader character from Pretty in Pink. You're absolutely oh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he, could do, he could be the bad guy in James Bond, too. Like he had that, you know, the end of the world kind of psycho. Um, I think the last thing before we go, I don't I know you can't talk about your case, and but yeah. I, the environment. You know, I think this is one of the things that people look at, should look at when they get a job, the environment in general, is it supportive or not if something like that happened, you know? You know uh, what? I think we've all had jobs where we go to work with a knot in our stomach. Yeah. And I'm here to say it's just, I mean, I listen, I get it. People have to support their families. They have mortgages to pay, like they have rent to pay. I I, I get it. Like sometimes you got to put up with it, but there are other opportunities in life. There are other things to do and you should never go to work with a knot in your stomach. You just, you just shouldn't. And you should be able to talk about why not. And Absolutely. And uh, you should not sign an NDA. Well, guys, thank you so much. You want to leave <laughs> your information or people can find you or sign your NDA. And if you have an on-air sign behind you, it shouldn't be directly behind your head. Hot tap. No, and, because and by my way, head I'm is sure on Harrison, I'm sure Harrison had to sign an NDA to work at Cirque du Soleil, but we'll, we'll take that on another day. <laughs> Harrison, Harrison, at least it's not Circus Circus because that's really demeaning. Oh my God. That place is <laughs> shitty, shitty. Exactly. <laughs> it could always be worse. New York, New York. That place is the is the only place where COVID is the virus you least have to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just wear a mask. Wear a condom. It's not safe there. You put you pushed it, Tyson. All right, Shane, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, people can follow you. <laughs> this is a no shtick zone, Harrison. <laughs> Harrison, do you want to share information? People can. Oh, yeah. If you want to follow me at Harrison Comedy on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, HarrisonGreenbaum.com is my website, has my tour dates. And MadAppleLV.com is where you can get tickets to Mad Apple at New York, New York Hotel and Casino, wherever Fridays through Tuesdays, two shows a night, 10 shows a week. Come check us out. Excellent. Julie? Uh, at Julie Roginski on Instagram, um, on Twitter. I refuse to get on TikTok because I'm not 12. And um, yeah, LiveInBoxes.org. Julie, come down to the comedy cell. I have some stories I want to tell you off the record. For real? Yeah, for real. Interesting do stuff. Do I just show up? Do I just show up looking for you? Yeah, yeah. Or hot yeah. Tag, my phone number, okay? Or email, whatever you want. Walk, walk into the olive tree. You're going to see a pack of people sitting somewhere. And then the other side, one person by himself. That's not. <laughs> that's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Julie, yeah, I'll send you an email later. But yeah, please come in. It's a lot of fun. You, you'll meet a uh, lot of people. Okay, I'm, very, I'm quite good friends with Julie Banderas. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Julie Banderas is going through. Um, great, she's going through some stuff now. So I'm yeah, yeah, good yeah. friends we, with Antonio Banderas. We we, we we know each other very well. Yeah. Good. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, guys, thank you very much. I have the link for your website in the description. Comedy Cellar. Uh, come and watch shows and Harrison and all that. All right. Thank yeah, you and check out the Rio, the Comedy Cellar in both New York and Los.